0: Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Guys, I appreciate all those that have spoken and been speaking. Um, we've got just incredible caliber of the Word coming to us. And so we are in a place where we are wanting to reach out from a position of strength as is our real heart cry this year. We want to be able to be those people that um, are, str- uh, are doing it in the strength of God. And so we're reaching out. And um, the, the, the kind of theme I want to run with today is that we, we have enemies of our faith. And I really want to give us tools to slay the enemies of our faith. And if we can slay the enemies of our faith, it helps us go out in strength and reach out from a position of strength. And the enemy's aim is really just to weaken our position and, and, our, uh, and our purpose and our effectiveness. And if he can do that, if he can, if he can attack that and, and, and put, put us on our back foot, then he's, he's succeeding in allowing the goodness of God to reach a needy, dying world. And uh, his attack is inward, church. If he can get you inwardly dis, uh, uh, in a place to, uh, of... of being retarded and held back in, in your inside, your inward, then you won't go outward. It's, it's like a, a, it's a, no matter how strong a guy is or a person is or a, a woman is and their ministry and everything else, you put your clutches around their throat and strangle their airway. They're going to stop reaching out, serving, doing everything else. It's time for survival. And that's what the enemy does. The enemy really wants to hit us with things like worry, like fear, like doubt, anger, resentment, loneliness, procrastination, and guilt. If he can, if he can do that inward stuff, he'll stop you from being an outward person. And we've got to be these people, through ves- the vessels through which divine favor flows to a needy, dying world. So the, the, the area I want to really touch on is, is one I haven't listed yet is, is discouragement. I want to tackle the enemy of our faith called discouragement. I want us to be the, that, that kind of giant slayer. We wanna slay that giant in our lives. So encourage, uh, discouragement is not gonna be the enemy of my faith. Why? Because we want the scriptures to encourage us in this. The definition is to be deprived of courage, to deter, to dishearten and to hinder. That's the words they use. Paul uses words like uh, don't faint, don't lose heart. Those are the words that Paul uses in the New Testament, and so we see Scripture has lists of discouragement, and Paul lists some, and and so does Jesus, and I, that you realise that there is discouragement. There's discouragement in ministry, and you say, "Well, that's your problem, Pastor. You got to just encourage yourself and get on with it." No, no. Every one of you are ministers. You're all called to be vessels for God. You're all His mouthpiece. You are all His billboard. For for Christ, so you are all ministers, and sometimes ministry takes it on the nose. The enemy doesn't play dead when you want to decide not to share Jesus with your work colleague, or, or, or with your family, or with your friends. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He'll put every obstacle and discourage you. And here in two Corinthians four one, it's, it, Paul writes, "Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, do not lose heart. Why? Because he knows what's happening. It's gonna. It's going You're gonna have opposition. You know. He went to every town, hit the synagogue." When the synagogue pushed back on it, then he, had, he, he went and ministered to the Gentiles. Why? Because he says, don't lose heart. Pick up and go, keep going. Don't... Then the discouragement of our body's deterioration. <laughs> and obviously we have certain demographics in our church that are in that place where the scripture, 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, So we do not lose heart, though our outward self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So don't you get discouraged when, you know, you can't do what you used to do. was it's so easy to bend down, but it's not that easy to get up again. <laughs> All those kind of things. It's very real. Do not lose heart. I know that I'm still 25 in my brain, Amen. but I will not be able to put my body through the same paces. I just know that. Don't just get discouraged when you see others suffer. Paul uh, writes here and he says in Ephesians 3.13, so I ask you, do not lose heart over what I am suffering because he, here he is putting himself out there ministering and he's getting beaten up. He's been left for dead. He's getting thrown in jail and he's doing all this You must know that the believers that are getting touched and ministered by the love of God are are, are suffering and wanting to lose heart to say, look what's happening to him. You you may have a loved one that's suffering illness, maybe suffering loss, maybe suffering in some way or shape or form. And and God's talking to you today. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Because um, it's the thing that will, will cause that discouragement. How about discouragement when we pray? We pray and we pray. And we pray and we pray. And here in, in Luke 18, Jesus says this. He told them this uh, parable of the, the effect that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. And it was in light of a widow that wanted the judge to, to, to rule on something, and he was an ungodly judge, and she just Nya-nya, She just wouldn't shut up, and she just carried on. And eventually she says, I'm going to have to answer this woman, otherwise I'm going to go demented because this, this, she won't shut up. And I'll tell you what, that's somehow you, how you need to press, press, press. I mean, Daniel, you talk about talking and changing an empire. For 21 days, he just, he just hit it in prayer. And God says, the very first day I heard you, but I have some spiritual warfare to get my angels to get to do what I have to do. And we've got to keep pressing. So don't get discouraged. So discouragement's not, not foreign to the stories in the Bible. And when discouragement comes, it kind of hits you and you're thinking, man, how can I be discouraged i 'm supposed to be the spiritual giant i 'm supposed to be encouraged all the time i 'm supposed to be the encourager? Well, the reality is we live in a fallen world church, and that 's just what comes with the turf and we 're going to get we 're going to get hit and we 're going to get attacked and so I want to be able to just kind of talk into that today and so um, so discouragement is addressed in scripture in the old testament we have uh, David that was discouraged, Moses that were discouraged, the prophets were discouraged. There were things that were discouraging people and it was happening. But I wanna focus on Nehemiah. Nehemiah faced and, and came face to face with discouragement. to set the stage of, of where he was and what he was up to and, and, and he heard about the news. Um, and so they, they were in a, in a bit of a backdrop of it. There was a unique situation with the Jewish history. 70 years prior to that, the Babylonians came and, and, and took them over and took them all captive. The whole, the whole nation of Israel took them over. Um, they d- destroyed all the cities, d- destroyed the temple in Jerusalem, took all the, the articles and stuff and headed back and kept them in, in captivity in exile for 70 years, seven decades. They were kept there. And so until the Persian, the, the Persian power came under King Cyrus, And God moved on that ungodly king and and released the children of Israel to go back. And the first wave he released, he released them with all the articles that were taken by Nebuchadnezzar, sent them back. He says, go and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. The second wave was Nehemiah when he he said, give me feedback from one of the people that came back. Give me feedback of what's happening back in, 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 in Jerusalem. He says, it's, you know, all the walls are broken and all the gates are destroyed. And, so, and it just grieved Nehemiah. And so the king released Nehemiah and also Ezra. And the second wave went back. And, uh, and Ezra was there to reinstate the laws and the feast and get, get, get the, 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 their, their belief back. And Nehemiah was released to go and rebuild the walls and to, to, to construct. A, and uh, Nehemiah managed to galvanize the people together and, uh, and get them to rebuild the gates and then the walls. and so. But the foreigners in the area didn't like that. Um, they, they didn't like the threat and the plans and the progress that was happening because their legacy of the children of Israel, when they were obeying the, the, the commandments and obeying God, um, them and God were unbeatable. They remember God parting the sea he remembers them feeding their thousands in the desert. To Remember that Egypt got totally drowned in, 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 the, in the Dead Sea, in the Red Sea. So all those things were coming back. It's a Vietnam flashbacks were coming back to the locals and say, these guys are regrouping and their God is with them. There's going to be trouble. And so they were pushing back. They were pushing back on this legacy and this history of, of God. and And... We picked the situation up here in ne- Nehemiah chapter 4 when they get to halfway on building, rebuilding the wall. And Sanballat and Tobias and uh, the Ammonites, they, they, they just re- decided to really push back hard now because the wall was going up, ready or not, the walls were going up. And when those walls and the gates were up, they knew it was game over. But I just wanted to let you know that if God before you, who can be against you? Just want to let you know that God is the favor of God um, will dissolve resistance and 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 release his plans and his purposes. So stand with God because with God you're the majority. I want to let you know that Get with God. And I want to just tell you that the danger of 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 halfway. There's a danger of being halfway. Okay, so what is that picture all about? So in 2001, I decided to do a, a, an ultramarathon, 55 miler, and so yeah, that's me finishing. I may not look like much, but I made it. (laughs) But I want to tell you that there is a a strategy that happens at halfway. Because when you get to halfway, you know everything's going to go fairly bad, fairly quickly for the last 27 miles. You just know that that's what's going to happen. And so you know that it's 27 miles back home and 27 miles to the finish. Halfway is a challenge and a place where discouragement can come in like a flood. And you got to have that, that. That was my mentor. He helped me run that, and he, that was his ninth run on that on that fifty-five miler. At halfway, if you don't make it at a certain time, they pick you up on a bus and they put a big red cross through your number. You don't want that. You don't want that. Ah, not after twenty-seven miles of pain. You don't want that. And that mentor there. I mean, he, he's a tough, tough guy. I mean, I'm I'm in my last ten miles and I am digging deep. So he says, just relax, get in one of these buses. I said, what? I said, I'm going to go with knees bleeding, palms bleeding. I'm going to crawl over that finish line. I am not going to get a red cross put through this number of mine. Not a chance. But I'm telling you, halfway, halfway is, is challenging. And here um, ne- uh, Nebuch- uh, Nehemiah has got this problem of of um, the, the wall and, and the surrounds is an onslaught and the discouragement is launched at full scale. And so Nehemiah is facing that. So I wanna just give you a list of some doors that, uh, the, of discouragement, doors that sometimes we just open, we don't know we've opened it, and we allow discouragement to come. And the very first one is fatigue. Fatigue will open a door that will allow and discouragement to come in. Nehemiah, um, the, uh, verse 10, it says, the, the strength of those who bear the burden is, is failing. There is too much rubble, but by, our, uh, by ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild, rebuild the wall. You understand, we have a whole lot of self-talk that happens in our little head. Do you know that you talk at 1,200 words a minute to yourself and most of it's negative? That's just how we are programmed in our planet, on this planet. It'll, I mean, the, the words are just nyanya at you, saying, man, we're not going to do this. We can't make this. It's impossible to finish this. And it will go on and on and on. And, it, and, it, and, and that's the self-talk that will happen. Here we are. It's a 52-day project that actually happened in 52 days. Here we're at day 26, and it is struggling. They are digging deep, and they got opposition. The fatigue, I want to just tell fatigue will make cowards of most of us. <laughs> fatigue will just say, say I'll buy I'm, I'm done. I'm done. And as a military trainer, I used to train guys, and I'll push them to that place of fatigue. And I said, I want you to remember this point. So when you ever get to thinking that you're tired, just say, that corporal pushed me to that point. Am I at fatigue yet? No chance. And you'll pick up your, your, your boots and stop, carry on running. But I wanted to say that um, it'll, it'll make cowards. We are vulnerable and frail when we're tired, and an enemy will come in. Just be warned. And we, we open the, uh, Val went up to look after our little grandson, Wyatt, when he was, um, had, had surgery. And, and when she got there, Natalie, our daughter, works up there, she was working for orthopedics. And Val said, what is going on? And Natalie was getting up early, like five in the morning, going to see her patients. Then she would get into surgery at seven. She would stay in surgery all the way through without a bathroom break, without a lunch, without anything until seven at night. Then she would get out, go and see her patients, get, be on call all night. And this was week in, week out, and when Val got there, she was just fatigued, and everything was gloomy, and she's never discouraged, and she's never down, but she was down and out, and so Val said, "You got, you got to, you got to look at this. You got to look at it seriously, because this is not you." And so she, she quit. So she's still doing orthopedics um, and and doing uh, joint coaching and stuff like that. She's, um, she she does um, ER now and. Uh, and then she DJs on the sidelines, so she's just having a life. I mean, she does, goes to tough destinations to go and do these. Um, but she picked up that fatigue had changed her, and she was quitting. She was discouraged. And so um, we need to make sure that fatigue doesn't get us. I, I'm looking at myself now and thinking, here, yeah, my brain is still 25. But I'm telling you what, this body ain't going to do it. And it gets fatigued. Uh, I still outrun most of the guys half my age, but we're, um, so I'm not, I'm not quitting, you know. So... But you also got to take a break before you need a break, church. You need to take a break before you need a break, because when you need a break, it's like when you're running this Comrades Marathon, when you're hungry, it's too late. And when you're thirsty, it's too late. you got to feed yourself before you need it. And so you got to identify fatigue before it happens, because then the doors open and then you're down. And so the next thing I want you to do is the door of frustration. Children of Israel were fighting discouragement with the progress and removing the rubble. There was discouragement there. They they, they were frustrated with that. Why? Because they didn't have raw materials. They had had to use the raw material and pull out of the rubble stuff to build. They were building with burnt stones. That's just kind of something that Val and I realized, that some of us have been burnt in church, but God builds with burnt stones. So it's good that you're burnt. So you're good. Um, But yeah, um, so they had to scramble through the rubble, move the rubble, use the rubble, um, and it's a painstaking, and you're not talking about builders that are proficient builders. These are just family guys that are given the job how to build, and so it, it, it was frustrating. So we have three choices. We can live up, live out, wear out, or burn out. Burnout is something that we always think that it's, uh, uh, that it's, it's a certain thing, but it's not. It's, it's not working hard. It's something that you really enjoy. When you're really enjoying something um, and, and you're focused and you loving it, it's very seldom you burn out on that. But when you are doing something that is, um, it's, it's just thankless and it's, it, it's not achievable and it's unobtainable and it's hopeless, that's when you just burn out, just thinking, man, what am I doing? What am I doing? And so you just get really um, frustrated because you don't see the, the, the point of it. They, could, they couldn't see the point. They couldn't see the progress. They couldn't see the bigger picture which we'll talk about a bit in a while. So they got frustrated. Um, um, it was, there was talk about this guy gave, um, mentioned that the, at this one gate, uh, airport gate, where you just get on you board a plane and disembark from the plane, there was a Burger King there. And um, this guy was job was to keep it clean, keep it tidy, keep all the trash in the bins and sort it all out. And he'd just have it all nice and the next plane would de- deplane and grab a burger and chuck the stuff and run and he would look at it and he'd have to do it again and the next crowd will come and eat before getting on the plane and it would do again and eventually this guy saw that man this, this was just frustrating the guy so he went up to the guy and he says I just want I just want to thank you thank you for doing what you're doing he says if you left three or four planes unclean we would not be able to get to our gate never mind anything else because of what you do thank you so much now and again, people, we need to look at people that are getting frustrated and encourage them and say, keep on, it's a good race, it's a good run, keep on doing it. So the challenge, and it um, that, that was frustrating the people, the progress. The other door that, that, that we, we, we leave open, uh, we, we struggle with is the door of failure. Well, good morning. You live on planet earth, you're gonna fail. Somewhere along the line, you're gonna fail. I'm working on this husband deal. It's taken a while, I'm working on this thing. Hallelujah. When you live long enough, you will experience failure. And uh, you will not have hit 100. I just want to let you know that. You won't hit 100. But um, it's what, the key is what you do with failure. Edison, he took it and says, no, it's not failure. It's just one thing I'll, I shouldn't do. And so he kept working at it. I'd love to think what he is thinking of the, uh, the LED lights now. That would, so why did I think of that, man? Why did I think about that? Yeah. Um, so the song says, I get knocked down, but I, I get back up again. Hey, Sing that song to yourself. Hey? Hey. You've got to have a cork attitude, man. If you get pushed down, just keep bopping back. <laughs> so failure is just inevitable. Just roll with it and just get up and dust yourself off. The other door we leave is fear. Fear is, man, something that can crawl in all over you, especially if you listen to the propaganda. Hey. There are no news channels in America anymore. There are propaganda channels everywhere. And are you drinking the Kool-Aid? Are you drinking the Kool-Aid? I can see it on your face whether you're drinking the Kool-Aid or not. Because fear. Nehemiah verse 11, it says, Our enemies said they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. You see, if you start listening to the nyanya, there's going to be a crash. There's going to be this, and there's going to be that. You listen to it. I mean, they were feeding, not the guys that were working. They were feeding their fellow guys that were out farming or outside of the city. They were feeding this stuff. We're going to sneak in. We're going to kill them. Yeah, we're going to, when they look again, we're going to be right there. This, this is the kind of stuff that we're feeding them. And at that time, the Jews who lived near, near them came from all directions and said to them ten times, you must return to us. Quit. Stop. You're about to lose your life. These guys are coming in. They're serious, and so you have this propaganda infiltrating and threatening you, and paralyzing them with fear, paralyzing them with fear. And so you get you get this concern, this anxiety. It's about the it's the the, the New York uh, hot dog salesman, and he had a hot dog stand, and every week, man, had to order new more more dogs, more more rolls. He had to just order more stuff because he he, customs would keep, customers would keep coming. Then she had to get his son out of college and say, hey, listen, you need to come and help me, man. We got, this this stuff is more than I can handle. And so his son saw him ordering more dogs and more He says, dad, got to be cautious. You know, we are in a recession, you know, we are, you are in a, we are in a recession. So you're going to have to, so that week he didn't order extra dogs and then he didn't order extra buns and stuff. And the next week he ordered, he ordered, didn't order, ordered less. And eventually the customers from a flood came down to a trickle. He says, truly, there is a recession. Don't let, don't let fear stop you from moving, man. Keep moving, keep moving. How do we deal with discouragement, church? How do we deal with discouragement? Firstly, you cry out to God. <laughs> um, yeah, so normally it's the last thing we do. We kind of say, oh, the only thing that's left to do is to pray. Well, why don't you try that in the beginning, okay? If you try that in the beginning, it kind of goes far better because kind of God sometimes retweaks your thinking, right out there, straight up front. And so Nehemiah, verse four and verse nine says, "Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their on their own heads, and give them up to be plundered in the land where they are captives." You know, when you get an onslaught of Bara. You can refute those words. We had leadership that was just anti us and we talking death over our marriage and death over our ministry. And every time we woke up, God, we said, listen, Lord, we send those curses back. We refute those curses. We do not receive those curses. But Father, we send them back from where they come. And 10 years later, we walked into their life and every one of those curses that they spoke in our life, actually they walked through in the, in the next 10 years. Do not speak like that. Don't speak like that. And Nehemiah knew, man, I need to, I need to pray into this thing. I need, to, I need to tackle it with prayer. And it goes on to say, and we prayed to our God and set a God as a protection against them day and night. Amen. So, man, if we have to set a clock and say, God, I'm going to pray noon. I'm going to pray in the morning. I'm going to pray at night. Gonna, the alarm. you got this thing ordering you around all day long anyway. Amen. Might as well order you around in prayer. Amen. You might as well get that working for you. Amen. So, so the first place we need to look when we discourage is up, okay? One of, the, one of the deals about discouragement. Second deal about discouragement, continue the work God has given you to do. Sometimes I mean, you just got to keep on going, keep plowing, keep your nose at the grindstone, keep doing it, because and, uh, and, um, we are prone to quit when we when discourage, Just throw up and say, You've got to get a backbone. You've got to have some stamina and say, I'm going to stick to it. I'm not going to back down. Stay with the mission. Stay with the purpose. Stay with the goal. It's the tool that helps you hold the line. And it's very, because it, winners don't quit, and quitters never win. So we've got to choose which side are we going to be on. Satan's greatest strategy is he can get you to quit. 2012 was the most challenging year of our lives. If there was a year I was going to quit, was that year. Everything and the kitchen sink were thrown at us, from family passing away to to family trauma in our lives, to leadership wanting to um, cancel cancel visas and people. Other it was just every every direction it came in, and eventually I just couldn't face it anymore. I just handed it to leadership and I said, "Listen, you hold it together. I'm I'm getting away from the cold face because I, I can't cope anymore." Val and I can't cope. I, went, I left a few weeks earlier. Val followed later. And, um, and then when the leadership were approached. You think Rod and Val are going to come back, and the leadership said, we won't be surprised if they don't. Because I'll tell you, the, the, the war was fierce. The war was challenging, and you just, you just wanted to quit. But I realized that you guys were here. I'd made a relationship with, for, for, with people here since 2004. I, I couldn't quit on them. Because we had a deal with God that, and God says, "How many people would you go to to Flagler Beach for?" And Moses had this whole deal: How many, t- how, many how many people would you do to save so- Sodom and Gomorrah from getting nuked? And he and Moses managed to. Uh, I mean, Abraham managed to whittle him down to ten. So I said, 10 families, Lord, I'm your man." And I said, "Well, I left, and there were still ten families. I got to keep going back." And so I pulled up my bootstraps, and we came back. Um, but I tell you what, if you think I don't know what discouragement is, uh, I've had my fair share, hallelujah. And verse six says, so we built the wall and all the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had the mind to keep working. So uh, to keep working. So the time we want to at least do it, that's the time we need to do it. Saying uh, the least time you, the least time you want to do exercise, that's the time you need to do exercise. Don't walk away from it. Especially as um, our outer man deteriorates, we need to keep going. Hallelujah! And so, so we can walk through our fears. We can work through our feelings. I want to tell you, feelings are neither right nor wrong. It's what we do with our feelings. You know, your feelings are just there. It's what we do with our feelings. We're going to let our feelings rule us and control us. When we want to wait, we must get up and walk. And when we want to bail, we must keep on building. Because I'll tell you what, it's the solution. It's the medicine that will get you to a place where you can work and push through discouragement. And that's what happens. Third thing, concentrate on the big picture. You need the Google Earth look. Because these people, I mean, all they, they, the people that were just looking at the section in front of them. Some of us, the only thing we do is we come to our house, we do our house, we have to do the chores, we've got to work. We come back to our house and go, no, no, come to Coastal and see the bigger picture. Rodden and Val went to, to Church of the Nations leadership in, 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 in South Africa the other day, and we saw the bigger picture. We saw the global look of what God's doing around the world it encourages you. And I thought, man, we're not doing too bad. We, we're taking our stake here. We're holding the beachhead here in Flagler Beach. I think we're doing great. I came back encouraged. I thought, man, this is fantastic. I love it. But you need to have that. Uh, uh, Bob Mumford was great teacher of the faith. When he was in the Navy, he was in the aircraft carrier, and he, uh, his, his whole thing was down in the machine room. And so he would get up, from his from his bunk, go to the machine room, work in the machine room, and then he would go back uh, to the mess, eat, and go to sleep. Get, same thing, day in, day out, and and weeks didn't get to see the sunlight. And eventually, obviously, the guy who controlled the whole um, um, aircraft carrier would then call everybody on up on deck and get them all into their number ones, and then they'd would, they would have flybys, and they would they, and 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 obviously uh, sing the national anthem. And suddenly you realize, man, I'm part of. This whole big deal. And that's when you realize, when you're concentrating on the bigger picture, all these little niggly things that are causing frustrations kind of grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. Amen. And so we've got to continually have a, a look at the big picture. Nehemiah verse 13 says, So in the, in the lowest part of the space between the walls in the openings places, places I, I stationed the people by their clans and with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked and I and, and arose and said to the nobles of the fish and, and to the officials and to the rest of the people: do not be afraid of them. Talking about do not listen to the the, the 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 propaganda, the nattering that's happening out here. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fights for for your brothers and your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He, he positioned leadership around them saying, come on, you can do this. Come on, you can, you can minister in the, in the workplace. You can keep going. You can continue to walk with God. You can, you can. And you will. And so this was the kind of the strategy that Nehemiah got to keep the people encouraged and keep them focused on the big picture. Because why? They were doing this, to building the, rebuilding the city. Why? For their sons and for their daughters and for their wives and for their homes and for their families. That's what they're doing. Why do we do coastal? Why? Because there's another generation needs to hear Jesus. We need to be here. There's no plan B. We are plan A. We have to be here standing in the gap. And so that's what we do. That's what we do because we're good soldiers for the king. That's what we do, and, and that's the big picture, church. And so don't, don't hide away. COVID killed, killed, and get everybody in their little hovel and in their little world, and and then you forget the big picture. And so some have never walked back to fellowshipping with the believers and stuff, and they, it's, it's such a detriment to their life. And so... Fourth, and this is the second to last, claim the encouraging promises of God. Get into the word of God. It has incredible promises for us. Why? Because we're in covenant with him. I'm in team Jesus and team Jesus has promises. And so I need to have a look at the word. And so you need to force feed yourself because the very first thing you, you wanna quit when you're discouraged is not read the word or pray. Why? Because you just wanna go and pout in your little corner. And God said, come on, take some medicine, man. Good medicine, Get the gospel in you and that'll help you. Okay, force feed yourself. Grab the word, walk up and down, read. Put those little white things in your ear. Listen to the scriptures. Let God's word speak to you. Because David had to speak to himself when his soul was cast down. He said, why are you cast down, my soul? Put your trust in God. You've got to grab. If nobody's going to encourage you, I'm going to encourage myself. That's what you've got to do. Otherwise, it's, it's down. Read out loud. Cry out for encouragement. Psalm 46, verse 1. Try these scriptures when you want to listen to it. God is our refuge and our strength. Always ready to help in the time, in time of trouble. We will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Let it all happen, but I'm carrying on. Nothing's going to deter me. No hurricane, no tornado, no things that uh, this, this propaganda program is going to be telling me. nothing's going to deter me. Why? Because I'm single focused on, set my eyes as a flint as Paul did. I'm running the race for God. Right. And so don't quit. Don't quit doing good. It says here in 2 uh, uh, Thessalonians 3.13, He says, as the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Just keep, just keep picking up yourself and keep going on with the promises of God. Galatians 6.9. So let not, let's not get tired of doing what is good. and At just at the right time, we will reap the harvest of blessing. If we do not give up, we don't quit. We don't quit, so we don't lose heart. And the last thing I want to leave you with is carry somebody else's burdens. You get so self-centered, if you just start helping other people, you'll find out that your situation actually lightens up and it's not that bad compared to others. I mean, we, we, you, you think you've got some situations? I've, I've listened to some of these guys and they've got bigger situations and I think, how can I help them? And when you do, it affects you. Nehemiah 6, verse 16 says, but from then on, only half of the men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and, and coats of mail. See, they're... they're they came alongside and said, listen, if you're discouraged, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to help you. And the leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and the other hand holding a weapon. They came up with a strategy and say, well, I'm going to be right handed and I'm going to have a stronger right hand while I'm working with this right hand because my other hand's going to hold the weapon. And I'm going to, I'm going to, and that's what you've got to do sometimes. You've got to carry on working and you've got to carry on fighting. you got to, you can't, you can't do, sometimes you have to do both. You have to do both. And so that's what happens. And so we need to help and carry, carry, carry each other because teamwork makes the dream work. Amen. And Dave Cape. Very seldom do you catch him in the discouraged mode. And so he's, he's gone through a few challenges, few storms, few, few times out in the mission field. I've been in quite a few mission trips with him. And uh, very seldom do you get, catch him discouraged. When we went on that Haiti bus trip, it was a good time to get discouraged. And uh, in the middle of the eight hour bus ride and um, the suspension was totally broken on this truck and uh, on this bus. And uh, yeah, we're three, three of us on a two seater and, I had um, a little child um, getting um, motion sickness all over my feet, and we had the chickens coming and eating all the rest of it at my feet. And, uh, and then suddenly Dave Cape starts laughing. I said, Dave, in this hot, very smelly, very uncomfortable, traumatic trip where I thought I was going to be with Jesus, how can you start laughing, David. Uh, And so he said, I wonder what Benny Hinn and those guys would do in this situation. (laughs) I said, they will not be in this situation. They'd be flying in a Learjet. That's what they'd be doing. (laughs) But the story I want to tell you about Dave, one day he woke up and he was discouraged. That should affect the weather patterns because he's just not that kind of person. He knows how to encourage himself. And so he wrote 20 emails of encouragement to other people. He says, Rod, it doesn't take long before you come out of that discouragement. Encourage you to un- encourage others. And sometimes if you listen to others, their, their situation is far worse than ours. And so we have this incredible opportunity to be of encouragement. And it's very real in this today's world. We don't glow in the dark. You switch the lights off, you realize I don't glow in the dark. Discouragement still knocking on my door. But I just hope that sharing this with you and, and it encourages me to keep going. Why? Because, man, I look at you guys. I think you have the opportunity of changing a whole next generation with good news of the king and the kingdom. So I just say discouragement is truly an enemy of our faith, and we've got to deal with that sucker. Nail him, chop its head off. We don't want discouragement. As for me and my house, we're not going to have, have discouragement. As you may know, you cannot have a bad adage. You cannot sulk in our house. You have two-minute rule. Two-minute rule, and you better milk the two minutes. You better go to that mirror, sulk, mutter, throw toys, do everything, but you better shake it up and come alive and come out there. Otherwise, Valerie's going to be all over you like white on rice. i tell you what. She will sort you out if you've got a long lip. There's no reason to have a long lip if you love Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Before I pray and pray with you and pray for you, I want to just leave you with uh, Mother Teresa's Anyway poem. I just found it encouraging. People are often unreasonable, illogical and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If If you are kind, people are going to accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you'll win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building someone could destroy overnight, build anyway. If you find sincerity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people often forget tomorrow. Be good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it's between you and your God. It was never between you and them anyway. And that's what it is. We're doing all this to an audience of one. I love people, even sometimes they are yuck-yuck. They're behaving like minus tens. But God treats me like a, a one. He treats me like a one. And he treats me, what does that say? He treats me like a ten, really. He treats me top of the pile. And I'm behaving like an imbecile. He still loves me. And that's, that's the God we serve. So I want to encourage you not to be disencour- discouraged, okay? If that is something you can take home today, and hope it's news you can use on Monday morning. If you're facing traffic somewhere, or you're facing a boss somewhere, or you're facing a relationship issue somewhere, encourage yourself. Do not be discouraged. Amen. Would you stand with me, elders? Hallelujah. I'd like to give the Holy Spirit a moment just to to get personal with us. Coastal, we've opened doors or doors have been opened and discouragement has come in and in many shapes and forms and God says, "Can, can, can I help you close those doors? Can I pour in the oil and the wine, the kind that would restore your soul, the kind that would encourage you. Would you allow me to do that now? Would you know that I'm, I don't leave you and I don't forsake you. I don't stand at the distance from you. I stand with you. I stand alongside you and I stand to pour in my love, my assurance, my strength, my help in time of need. And wherever you are, You may just want to posture with maybe just hands. Bold enough, raise a hand. Or just posture your heart. Say, God, I'm here. I'm really discouraged in this area. You know that he actually knows about it. He loves you so much. He knows every ache, every pain. If he knows the number of hairs on your head, you think he doesn't know your aches and your pains and your discouragement. He knows that we're in a broken world that will hurt you, that will discourage you and would want to get you to quit. Today, the Holy Spirit wants to come in like a wind and encourage you to keep running, keep running the race, keep on going. Because if God before you, who can be against you? best encouragement I can give you is that if you haven't accepted Christ into your life bring him into your life into your home into your situation into your family making him lord of your life allowing Jesus to be your lord is the greatest encouragement you'll ever get because he comes and takes residence in you and with you and walks with you and he talks with you I did it 45 years ago and if that's you and you haven't accepted Christ, Can we as a church pray with you and pray for you? And would you pray out loud, church, and and allow the people that have not invited Christ into their life to invite Christ into their life? Would you do that? So church, would you pray all together with me? And those that haven't accepted Christ, pray this prayer. Those online, pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, Jesus. I believe that you're the Son of God. And you died on that cross for me. You paid for all my sins. You paid for what separated me from You. Today, I accept the invitation and allowing You to be my Lord. Would You be my Lord and Saviour today? Would You come into my life today? I accept You as Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Woo! There's a lot of happy angels in heaven because I know some of you have prayed that for the very first time. And if you did, somehow talk to me, contact me, text me, phone me, email me. Oh my goodness, you've connected with a family that's just amazing. He's connected with a God who absolutely loves you. I know he's ghouling now. You know what ghouling is? Spinning around under a violent emotion of joy. Have you ever got that excited that you're just spinning around like a top because you're just so excited? Our God's doing that over you that responded to Christ. It's just a wonderful thing. I gave the the first congregation, the morning congregation, the earlier congregation, whatever you want, 8.30 congregation, let's give them a name, hallelujah, an opportunity, the early birds. I I don't want to lay heavy on the the sleeper ends here. I don't (laughs) want to But last week, I, I, I saw a vision, and it's funny, this, the edge of the stage, I don't know why it is, but sometimes God does this thing. And he said that everybody that comes and puts their toe up against this and stands here, I want to meet with them. I want to touch their need. I want to meet their situation. I want to I wanna, I wanna change, change their circumstances. I want to I deliver them. I want to break certain chains. And, uh, and people came forward. And God was weightier. here. It's nothing to do with the stage. It's just carpet. But it's a point of meeting. So if there's a need in the house, I'm going to lay hands on each person that puts their toe up against the edge here. Come on up. I don't know your need. I don't know your situation. I don't know what help you need. But come. 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 Put your toes up against the edge. Tony Fitzgerald, the father of Church of the Nations, we'd be worshiping and, at, and he says, you know, God's all around that area over there. He actually about knee height. And you see everybody in that area just start crumbling as God just starts touching and moving. You know, if your dad's that big, you know, I've got a son that's six foot seven. So when he ruffles me up, I come second all the time. Somehow I just lose my strength. I always land on the ground, I always land up. And that's what God... Dad is so big; he just uh, he kind of touches touches you in such a special way that sometimes your knees buckle. <laughs> but don't be fearful that I've got people that will catch you if you do. But don't resist it. Just say, God, I want you to touch me. Touch me. I know some of you out there. You have situations and you, you're preferring your brother and sister to come here, but I want you to know if you stretch your hands towards them and stand with their situation and believe God to touch them right now where they're at, that He's going to meet your situation. Because what He says is that if you take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. And so would you stand with me? It's, it's, it's nothing magical. It's just a point of contact. And I just want to touch each one. And just ask God to touch the need because it's between you and Him. You and Him. Would you stretch your hands and touch these loved ones with your prayers. Father, I thank you. Today, you meet. Today, you touch. Today, you connect. Today, Today, you deliver and you set free. Today, my God, your love overwhelms. Your love reaches deep deep, deep and deep calls out to deep, my God. I thank you that you're touching, that you're delivering, that you're setting free, that you, that you're allowing your fullness and your grace to touch their lives and bring it, bring them into wholeness and healing and help father in time of need. That's what you do, my God, when you meet to him, because in the presence of the Lord, mountains melt like wax in your presence, my God, I thank you father that, 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 Every situation, every circumstances, nothing is too difficult for our God. Oh, awaken my soul, awaken. I thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace. I thank you for your love. I thank you for today that you meet and you touch your loved ones, that you kiss them all over with your grace and with your kindness and with your your, your presence and your power, my God. I thank you for that. I thank you that your love is demonstrated to them. And Father, you, 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 you allow everything to fade as your glory comes and touches my God. I thank you for that. Oh, thank you for Joe, my God. Thank you that you love him. Today you kiss him. Just like Italians know how to kiss. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we reach out as the Lord passes by. Thank you that we stretch out and touch the hem of his garment, my God. Thank you that it's his power that is released and sets the captives free. Let your loved ones be touched by your presence and your goodness and your grace and your kindness, my God. Thank you that you're doing that. Thank you, my God, that no, no issue's too big. My God, I thank you that today, as the toes touch this stage, your mighty grace touches them. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness, my God. Bless you, my Jesus. Today is the day. Not tomorrow, but today is the day. We thank you, Father. You're a personal God. One-on-one, my God. One-on-one, we thank you for your love. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for this family. Thank you that it's just amazing what you're doing. The depths that you're diving into the souls and the situations of every man and every woman, every child, every daughter, every son. We bless you for that, my God. Bless you for that, my God. Bless you for that, my God. Hallelujah. Serve a miracle working God. Serve a miracle working God. Miracle working God. going to wait a moment because he's not finished with some of you some of the surgery is a little longer than the other he wants to hold and kiss you a little, little bit more some of you Father, I pray for each one that's in the sound of my voice I thank you that we're the vessels through which your favor flows I thank you that I pray for each one that they'll be carriers of your goodness and your grace your kindness and your goodness I thank you that it'll permeate beyond our wildest dreams as your presence goes with them your presence will be carried with them we're imparted to the needy and desperate and a dying world out there my God I thank you that you You're lighting them up to be the life givers to a needy situation out there. We send them with your goodness and your grace. And all God's people said, Amen. amen, amen. God bless you.